there, it's Carl from Games, Brains and Headbanging Life, GBHBL.com, and thank you for hitting play on episode two of the GBHBL podcasts. This is the Whiplash, the heavy metal and rock series we're doing, where we play tracks from some of the uh, favorite up-and-coming bands, some of the more underground bands that you may not have heard of, some of the better ones that you need to go out and support. First things first, let's do some housekeeping. GBHBL.com is where we live, but of course you can also find us on Facebook, GBHBL. Find us at Twitter, GBHBL Official. you find us on Google Plus if that's your thing. you find us on Instagram, all with GBHBL. Uh, we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash GBHBL. If you want to help us out, throw us a couple of quid to uh, continue to make these things. We have a YouTube channel. You can also find us over there doing horror movie reviews and gaming stuff. And of course, SoundCloud, where this podcast lives, of course, and that is also available on iTunes. So make sure you hit that subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. You want to hear new music of uh, bands you may not have heard of. You want to check them out. Make sure you hit subscribe and give us a rating. A five-star one, obviously. Don't go over there and give us a one-star. Jesus, that won't exactly help. But anything you can, uh, anything you can do it in any way you can support us, be it a like, a couple of quid on Patreon, a follow on Twitter, so on and so forth. So today we've got some... Well, we're saying news. It's similar to last week where I don't really want to just talk about the news. You can find all that if you want and have your own opinions. The news items I'm pulling out are more a chance for me to give you opinions of the site, opinions of myself, and so on and so forth. That's that's what this is. It's an opinion, an opinionated podcast uh, set when it comes to the music. That's just great. The whole reason we're playing them is because we think they're great and so you should too. Today we've got four tracks, very, very excited to have four tracks, and we're going to get started with one right off the bat, not hanging around. We're going to be playing you. Now, sit back and enjoy GBHBL favourites, Sarkoff's new track, a brand new track, only released this last week. Go over to the YouTube channel, Sarkoff, and check it out there. You'll find The Wanderer, a new track from this great black metal band. It's from the upcoming album, Jera, which will be released sometime this year. Um, less of an atmospheric track. Obviously, the first two, the two tracks in the demo are very atmospheric heavy. Although it's brutal black metal, you get that atmospheric style. This one is less so, although there is elements of it. More of an out-and-out heavy metal track. So sit back and enjoy the new track, The Wanderer from Sarkoth. And make sure you go to Facebook and give them a like. Go to YouTube. Subscribe to their um, channel and go to Bandcamp. You can pick up the demo, the two-track demo for £1.50. I mean, that's a fucking bargain. So sit back and enjoy the track.
That was good, wasn't it? I really like it. It's one of those things, right? When I first hit play, I was thinking, ah. Oh. Although I love what they've done so far, the two tracks are fantastic. What if I don't like this one? What if it was kind of like just a one-off? What if maybe, you know, they're really, you know, they're not going to be able to follow that up and so on. So pleased. So pleasantly surprised. Loved it. Loved the brutality of it. Loved how raw it feels. Still got a style. I love the vocals in it. It's fucking great. So I personally think that's a fantastic song and sets up the album, eventual album, fantastically. Very excited. It's fantastic twice there. Um, very excited for it. Hope you enjoyed it too. Like I said before, make sure you check them out. So now we're going to move on to um, a review, sort of, kind of, but more of a, a history lesson again, a bit about why I feel this way. So, Dimmy Borgir, they released uh, their first new music in seven or eight years. It's been a long time. First new track coming off the new album. Uh, the new album is called um, Enon, Enion, something like that. Um, and the track's Interdimensional Summit. Uh, came out, very excited. I'm a big, well, I was a big Dimi Borgir fan. So, the thing is, right, Dimi Borgir arguably got me into black metal. Because um, it's basically funny. They, they, I'd say they turned me on to it. Say they, they got me into it, maybe not be correct, but they certainly turned me on to it. See, the thing is, I remember being quite young and seeing um, the video for Morning Palace on, like, Kerrang, it might have been Kerrang, or one of the uh, rock channels back in the day. Now, in, when I was younger, a wee nipper, I used to uh, record videos off those channels on TV, uh, onto VHSs. See, that's how long ago this is, onto videotapes. You know, I'd sit there and I'd make sure I started it at the right time at the beginning of a song, make sure I ended at the right time, didn't want ads or anything like that. I wanted just videotapes full of his music. And Dimmy Borgir's Morning Palace was one that I got on that. And compared to, like, all the other stuff that you'd often find in your pop punk, I mean, this is the height of new metal and stuff like that. This totally took me by surprise. I mean, I was remembering video. I think it was a semi-live video, but it was dark and it was, like, atmospheric and there was a certain level of melody in it because it had keyboards and there was these evil motherfuckers. You know, I didn't, you know, it wasn't my first introduction to black metal, Cradle of Filth and stuff like that. But I was just blown away by how heavy and intense it seemed. I mean, it must have been only like 15, maybe 15 years old. And it was sort of, I always sort of see that as my first sort of real introduction and moving away from new metal. Because that's what got me into, you know, rock. I, I am a new metal kid. I grew up in that phase. So those bands were what got my interest, you know. I, I had other tastes alongside that, but that was predominantly it. You know, and like a lot of people, you end up finding it more, listening to other uh, styles, other subgenres, and then you sort of move on. That's basically what happened with me. Um, so I, I hold Jimmy Borgia in high regard. And like following that, like going back to their older albums and what followed for a while, I was really, really interested in. Uh, it sort of dropped away when I, then it was explored further in a black metal and I found the likes of Emperor and Immortal and stuff like that. And that, that was my jam, basically. That became my jam and so on. You know, I love my atmospheric black metal. I love my imagination. I love melody used in it correctly. But I also love brutality. I do love that stuff as much as anything as well. Your dark funerals, uh, your Gorgoroths and things like that. So, eventually, I wouldn't say I fell out of love with Dimmy Borgir. I'd say I moved on. I moved on from Dimmy Borgir. I still looked forward to their albums and stuff like that. And when this song came out, I, I was like, okay, cool, let's check it out. Because uh, I've had a bit of a 
concern in regards to them for a while, which was they've been out of the game so long. Like, it's been so long since you've had new music. And coming off Abrahadabra, I've no, Abrahadabra, yeah, I think that's how you say the album. It was an album that didn't exactly show them as a powerhouse as they once were. Was it bad? No. It had some pretty cool songs in it, but it certainly isn't going to be like, oh, hey, I want to check out some Demi Borger albums. That's probably not one you're going to go to, is it? I always thought the loss of a ICS Vortex really hurt them because he gave them a really unique spin. Uh, really, such a unique voice. He really gave them a unique spin. And although I, I love lots of Demi music before um, he was part of the band, I, I always felt he really gave them a little extra something. And um, so listening to Inter Interdimensional Summit, oh, I just thought, God damn, don't this feel dated already? Like, it didn't feel like an evolution. It felt like, oh, you're doing this again. Oh, okay. It's... Ordinary. To me, the problem lies in just how ordinary they seem. Symphonic black metal, atmospheric black metal has really come a long way since Dimu had, a, had an album out. And on this song, they're not breaking the mould. They just sound ordinary. They just sound run-of-the-mill. Um, I mean, it is just one song, so hopefully the full album proves to better this track. You know, keep hearing um, that it's going to be heavier and it's going to be a lot more old school and stuff like that. Not going off this track. That puzzles me. Like, you say all those sort of statements, and this is the one you want to release. I mean, I know it's effectively your first single, and often that's what you'll find is the first singles you're more accessible and um, more radio-friendly, maybe, and things like that. But uh, I don't know if this was the right choice to pull out of the bag, considering what market are do you go going for? They're not going for casual fans. Surely not. Not after being seven, eight years out of the game. You're going to go for your fans. But which fans? And that's a bit of a puzzle, of my, uh, I think. See, because, like, I want what I want from the new album, I guess, is I don't want to return. I don't think you have to go back and be like, oh, yeah, you know, we've got to go back to the very first album, Stormblast, and things like that. Not at all. I would like a mix of the old school, but also embracing that modern symphonic side that they've had. Stuff that, but just stuff that doesn't feel so lazy, so run of the mill. I mean, I watched, uh, I, it wasn't that I just, I watched the video as well. And um, it just felt so forced. It really, really, really didn't do much for me. And that was disappointing, but not a surprise. Because, like I said, moved on. It's evolved. Black Metal has evolved. And Dimu didn't seem like they've evolved with this. Now, of course, this is just my opinion. You could go to the site night right now and check out another one of our writers' uh, opinions. And he has a different opinion. God, I keep saying the same word over and over again. He has a different thought process on this track and so on. So, of course, this is just what I think. But for me, no, it didn't really do much for me. Uh, obviously, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what the uh, overall album comes out like. But going on this, I'm not going in with high hopes. So just moving on from Black Metal in general, we're going to play you another track now from Rancorus, hailing from New England. Rancorus play fiery thrash-based metal. This is from their upcoming three-track demo called Into the Nuclear Fire. The demo is out on March 16th, 2018. You'll be able to pick it up over on Bandcamp. Sit back and enjoy Death Incarnate. This is a raw, nasty piece of work.
Those guys have something special. Make sure you go and order the album now on Bandcamp. Go to Facebook. Give them a like. Support them. It's a demo. It's raw. It's visceral. But it is very, very exciting. So moving on to what you can check out this week on the site. Releases-wise, what we're reviewing, upcoming albums and, and the like. This week, you will be able to check out reviews from Torture Squad, a four-piece old-school death thrashy metal band. They've been around since like the 1990s. They've got seven albums, two live releases, and three EPs. So they've been around a lot. They are old school. And this is before the latest Far Beyond Existence arrives at the end of March. It's ten tracks of crushing incendiary metal. We've got the debut release. Uh, album, the debut album, excuse me, of Death Metal's Voris, a band we've already covered on in the past. Last year we reviewed their demo, excellent demo called Chamber of Laments. Originally a solo project, it's now a two-piece, and The Wretched Path, which is the new album, is made up of five new tracks and a three from the demo, so that's coming up this week. Uh, we've got a short EP, a two-track EP from the Black and Death Metal band Black Blood Invocation. This EP, man, this EP is... Whew, it's a violent raw offering. It's wow. It's really nasty stuff. Certainly not going to be to everyone's taste. It's called Avatistic Offerings to the Sabbatic Goat. You can tell, black metal, man. We have something a bit different coming up as well this week. How about some rock? Just some rock and roll. Check out While the Wheels Still Turn by Greystone Canyon, an Australian band, kind of following in the footsteps of the likes of ACDC and Rose Tattoo. Uh, then we've got some folk, folk and Viking metal mix from Northhammer. Love this album. Northhammer will drop Stormcaller. It's an album that actually draws inspiration from Quathon. And that likes the likes of that Viking black metal mix. Very, very exciting stuff. Really like it. Then uh, we've also got uh, Brutality. Brutality is the name of the game. An invocation of Moribund Spirits by Anchorus. Anchorus. Nine tracks of aggressive death metal. And last but not least, the fourth album from South California's Grave Hill. The Unchaste, the Profane and the Wicked. It's another slab of heavy from the death metal veterans. That's what we currently have planned. Obviously, as the week goes on, we get more stuff in the promos, more stuff sent to us. We get them out a lot quicker. There'll be more this week. Right now, that's what you've got. Definitely can check out. That's the scheduled stuff coming up on the site. So another mix of really heavy stuff, but some Viking Metal thrown in there, a little bit of rock and roll. It's very exciting stuff, and all this, all these these releases are well worth checking out. The whole reason why we cover them. <clears throat> Excuse me, losing my voice there. It was a late night last night, recording this in the afternoon. It was up very, very light, late watching the wrestling, which you can go to YouTube and check out our predictions for uh, the pay-per-views to make them entertaining for ourselves. Right, going to talk about another sort of, not review, but what I've just done, went to see Conjurer. Now, Conjurer uh, are a band we've covered a bit in the site. New album, we absolutely loved. Maya, we gave 10 out of 10. It's a fucking brilliant album. Proper excited about this band. Young British band, up and coming. And they played the two, they played the Black Heart in Camden, London, on the 22nd. So, trotted down there, sold out venue. Never been in the Black Hearts uh, venue side. Obviously, I've been into the bar below, but never been into the 
venue above where the bands play. So I didn't ex- I knew it was small, didn't expect it to be that small. I actually got there for like the last couple of songs of the support band. Opened the door, thought, what the fuck? Can't even get in. Like, can't get in. So okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'll go down and I'll have a beer. And then I'll go back up for Conjurer because they were there who I see. Once uh, the band support band's in, I'll be able to sneak my way in once everyone's moving around a bit. Annoying thing. Always happens at fucking venues. Come on, people. Move down. It was sold out and it was packed. There weren't much room to move. But that whole can't get in the fucking door was people coming in and then just stopping dead. Not bothering to move around a bit. Not bothering to give a bit of space. Just like, oh, awesome. That was great. So you got in for Conjurer. Uh, they played Myra in full. It was ba- it was originally going to be the album release, but that got delayed for some production issue. I think I remember hearing. Um, but it still played the album before, from beginning to fucking end, and it was basically about an hour long set, and it was wicked. It was so heavy. It was really fucking good. You can go to the site and check out a full review now for the um, for the show. But yeah, if you don't know about Conjura, get on board this train. They're they're they're, they're beginning to really take off. You know, I can feel the momentum beginning to build. I felt like. Considering this was sold out and sold out quite quickly, this was probably the last time you'll see them in a venue this small, at least in London. So good on them. It was a great show. The music sounded brilliant. It was really fucking heavy. Everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves. A proper headbanging party. And later on, off to see, later on this day, because yeah, this is Monday, I'm off to see Orphan Land. Pretty excited about this one. Uh, Orphanland first came to my attention a few years back. Uh, I think I caught them at a Bloodstock originally. And they didn't wow me. I remember liking a couple of songs. But outside in the main stage, I don't think they did much. They don't, I don't remember being wowed by them. I think I remember being a bit bored by them. And I went back and listened to All Is One, the album. And a, a couple of songs in that I really fucking liked. Particularly the single, All Is One. Really, really cool. Read up on their story. Got really excited about them. I think I remember seeing them give, be given an award as well. At one of the Metal Hammer Golden Gods Awards. One of those shows. Got tickets to that. And I think they won an award there. Um, so, I really, yeah, I, I, I like them. But... Then I saw them support Blind Guardian, and this was going back a few, just a couple of years now, and they bored me. Like, other than, like, a couple of songs I knew, I remember thinking, God, this is quite boring. And that was it for me with them. They kind of dropped the radar. And obviously then they released a new album, uh, Unsung Prophets. And, you know, for review, put it on, go listen to it. Fucking loved it. Really loved it. Thought, wow, they've come such a long way. Fucking brilliant album. Really, really good. Make sure you check it out. Really impressive stuff. So when this came around, the opportunity to review Orphan Land jumped at it. It was awesome. The Underworld in Camden is a great venue. Great for sound. Uh, Well, great. Can be great. If you get there and it's sold out and you're late to the pie, it can be a bit of a nightmare seeing shit. But, you know, this isn't sold out as of yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for good view, good sound, everything. Um, they're also being supported by another band we've covered and really given a g- supported and enjoyed on the site, which is in vain. Really excited to see them too. So it's like a two for one for me. So make sure some point, maybe tomorrow or the day after, go back to the site gbhbl.com and you'll be able to read the Orphan Land review as well. And if you're there tonight, say hello. I'm going to be wearing one of our GBHBL shirts, which you can buy from our store on the site. They're cheap and they're cool. They're not like... They're cheap to buy. They're not cheaply made. They're certainly not. And the design is fucking wicked. Created by an artist. Uh, Kappa Gilbert. Go check his stuff out. He's very, very good. 
really happy with the shirts. So make sure you go and pick one up. They're in all sizes. Make sure you do. But yeah, if you see me yet to Orphan Land, you think, oh, wow, that's the dude that, that's uh, one of the dudes for GBHBL.com. I'll say hello. Or want to tell me how wrong I am about certain things. By all means, do. Fucking would love, would love that. It would, it would make me smile so much. Right, we're flying through this, so we're going to now hit you with another track. This one's a bit different as well. Right mixing up this week, you know. We've already had black metal. We've already had death metal or uh, thrash death metal. So we're now going to a sort of a, a multi-instrumental sort of style. A unique mix of doom, gothic tone metal, progressive metal, hard rock, and even a bit of industrial electronica. Released October 23rd last year, 2017. This is the discouraging doctrine of chances from Vision Y, solo project from the multi-talented Alessandro Sakur. Sit back and enjoy this excellent track. It's available now on Bandcamp, Apple Music, Spotify, you name it, it's everywhere. So make sure you also go and pick this music up if you like what you hear. Sense. 
So that was the Discouraging Doctrine of Chances from Vision Noir. That is also our track of the week starting today for one week. So if you don't want to have, we want to re-listen to it and you don't just want to go to Bandcamp and Apple Music and all that where it's super fucking easy, just go to the web main site, gbhbl.com and on the homepage, you'll be able to play that exact track and listen to it as many times as you want. But make sure, don't just support Vision Noir, go back and make sure you support supporting Chorus and Sarkoth as well. These are the future, guys. These are the future. These are the bands that we, we, we are talking about, we want to keep an eye on, you want to get behind, because, you know, they're the future. 
Not like these bands, what I'm about to talk about now. Now, this is a big one. And I'm going to keep it as brief as I possibly can because this is a podcast in itself of a single subject. And we're about to talk about ticket prices. Now, this has reared its ugly goddamn head again for me because of Alice in Chains. Now, Alice in Chains announced two, two UK dates, one in London. And uh, obviously that creates a bit of a buzz. It's been a while since Alice in Chains have been over here. They still have credibility. They still have, I wouldn't say momentum. There is a new album coming this year, but, you know, they're still making their mark, so to speak. Do I think they're as relevant as they once were? No, and that's not just because they, you know, obviously Lane and stuff like that. That's that's by the by. I'm talking about their last couple of albums and how those have been re- received. None of them have been considered terrible, but I don't think any of them have been considered groundbreaking or particularly, like, going to go down as favourites. Put this way, I, I, I find it hard to believe that someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to Alice in Chains, and then they're going to put on um, the Dinosaurs album, that one. can't even remember the full title. God put dinosaurs here or something like that. They're going back to the early stuff, I believe, anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you're like a super a mad Alice in Chains fan, he's like, no, fuck you, dude. I'm going to put those albums on, actually. All right, cool, good for you. Fantastic, you know, you that's great. They're not, I've never been a fan. I've never been a fan of grunge in general, you know. That's just never been my thing. I know Alice in Chains are a bit more rock as well on that front, but ultimately that was their starting point. But, you know, Alice in Chains and that shows... And you look and go, oh my, it's uh, Academies. Uh, the one in London is the Shepherd's Bush Empire, a fairly smallish venue. You know, you think, wow, Alison Chain's playing something that small. Is that is that reflective of their current size, the current ability to sell venues out? Were they not confident they could do uh, arguably the biggest Academy, Brixton? Or uh, even Wembley, Wembley Arena. Maybe not, maybe not. Or maybe they just wanted, you know what, we're going to do a couple of small shows. Uh, we can guarantee we'll sell them out. Cool. Uh, that's all we want to do. That's the case, guys. Why the fuck are you charging arena prices for Academy tickets? Now, this is where I get really goddamn annoyed with our older bands, our older school bands that continue to come over here and go, you know what, we don't really want to do many shows. We don't really want to do big venues. We don't want to put much effort in, because let's bear this in mind. Shepherd's Bush Empire, while it's not tiny, it's stage is small. You're not getting anything here but music. There's no show here. You might get a backdrop of an album. That's about it. You might get some pretty lights, but that's it. You're not getting a show. You're getting the music. Now, that may not be important to you, and that's fine. However, face value tickets for the London show. And we've just been talking about the London show because being London being the capital, it's where we're based. And, of course, we often always get charged more because it's London. Face value tickets for Alice in Chains is £45. With fees, it comes in about £53.10. That was the C tickets, that company's prices. So over £50 for Shepherd's Bush Empire. Now, you're like, well, £45 face for Alice in Chains, that's fair. And to a point, I might agree with you. If, if it was Wembley Arena or the O2 Arena, and they're not, they're not going to play the O2 Arena, they don't have that. That, that they're not, they don't have that ability anymore. Uh, they could never sell that out, so they wouldn't be completely understand. But Wembley, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they're charging this much money for, as I say, an academy. I'll give you the best example I can. Why? Where's the value here? Are they giving good value? The venue isn't great in itself, especially when sh- when sold out. Um, Shepherd's Bush Empire, I like the venue. I like how it works and so on. However, when it's sold out, it has it, it becomes extremely busy. A lot of things are badly placed. Your merch store's poorly placed. 
if you know the venue at the very back there's an extra step that basically a lot of people gather on because they can stand on it and see over the bar and get a great view it makes moving around a bit of a headache i don't think as well that the band stock has gone up to warrant this sort of price increase Last time they played was something like Alexandria Palace, and tickets were not even this price, Ali Pali, and it was not forty pounds, forty plus pounds, so, and they had ghost supporting. So go figure that. Has just and I know ticket prices are going to increase. <clears throat> Excuse me, ticket prices have increased over the years. We know why. That is what it is. But has Alison Chains' stock gone up enough to warrant this kind of price increase? Also. Did they, did they stop to think about these dates? It's a day before Pearl Jam play in London. I mean, a lot of people say, well, oh, right, people, are got, people might be travelling down and be in London already, so they'll come see us too. I find that an odd decision. And the fact it's the London shows on a Sunday. A Sunday in London, with the travel restrictions that come with Sunday, early finish to tube services, slim, like bigger gaps between bus services and trains and so on engineering works that take place on a Sunday. What an odd choice. Did ever stop to think about it? So you say, well, you know, they're not just going to take in this, you're not just going to take everything into account. This is the capital city of England. How don't you take this shit into account? So, I personally am disappointed and I don't think it's good value for money. This is not just because I'm an Aston Chains fan because I'm going to get in, we're going to go a little bit into it further here. Say, I'm going to try and keep it brief. And I'm not going to say at any point that the ticket prices increase overall are necessarily unfair. As music fans, I, be I believe we've done this to ourselves. By a large quantity. This isn't, a this isn't a small amount of people. Choose to download music illegally. It's become so commonplace for so long. It's almost seen as an acceptable alternative. I'll never forget um, one of the big magazines uh, online put a sort of conversation opinion piece about whether or not we're damaging it and why people legally download and the amount of comments the amount of comments on it of people justifying it justifying their what is theft what is theft when it comes down to it you are like oh, okay you're doing something but oh uh, if you're in it for the money you shouldn't be in it at all fuck you dude man what you're gonna go work for free that opinion is so selfish and so fucked up we talk about these up-and-coming bands and about how many of them are making their music while working full-time jobs and so on. There's no money at no one. Every, we have a, a standard question we like to ask bands when we interview them, which is how has YouTube and the rise of streaming services and the like harmed you as a band? Has it helped or hindered you, sorry, as a band? And a lot of modern bands will say, look, it's helped us. It's allowed us to get our music out there. And so on. And but almost also the same thing. Well, we're not gonna, we're not making money that way. There's no way to make money. We got to go out and play live. We got to go out and play live. And obviously, ticket prices are going to reflect that. When it comes to the bigger bands, who basically made their money, um, the legends, the ones who enjoyed the fruits of the pre-internet music industry that saw the album sales became superstars and legends because they were selling and made their money through the fact that they were the CDs were being bought. But these are the same bands I have an issue with. Because these are the ones that seem to refuse to lower their lifestyles. Instead, increasing their, their points to their prices to what I see as the point of greed. Going, you know, okay, we're not going to make as much money as we used to last year and so on. Well, we will. We will if we chuck an extra 20 quid on top of every single ticket. Regardless of thinking about the current climate of how people can afford this and afford that. Yeah, it's strong words. But last year... 
one of my personal all-time favourite bands, did it, proved it. And their, uh, I think their band manager recently came out and sort of said, well, we didn't have any pushback on it. People still paid it. Metallica, about four years ago, £50 at the O2 Arena in London. I know because I was there. In fact, I was there twice that month. But then the, uh, the latest run of shows in London, £80. Why? Because they were doing less dates, which in itself isn't a problem. Metallica, they're getting on. Um, they're getting on. They, they, you know, you want to give the best you can give, so you shouldn't. You should play less dates if you don't feel like you can give as much as you used to. You're a bit more, you know, not able to perform to the, your best ability. You're going to do less dates. I have no issue with that. But what annoys me is the fact, basically, to make up for that, they increased their prices. Like, okay, we're going to be doing less dates, so we're not going to get as much money live as we previously done. Let's 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 charge more. Which is fucked up because for the same price as one a Metallica show at the O2 Arena, you can do days out to UK festivals for that amount where you'll get a wide range of bands, including a huge headliner. What the fuck is that about? I find it so disappointing. And then we're going to go to the big one. Then there was the £100 plus for a Guns N' Roses ticket. A band that I'd have loved to have seen, but I couldn't justify the money. I remember talking about it. Uh, with a number of people and basically working it out, making a point. I was thinking oh, we were on Twitter about it as well and bitching and moaning. I think we may have even written an article. I think Brendan may have written an article about why this, was, uh, this wasn't justifiable. Because for that same amount, you could see five great sort of middle, mid-tier bands for that same price as seeing one band in a fucking stadium. A bloody stadium where realistically you're going to end up watching a screen or get a nosebleed from the height. You're not going to get a great fucking experience. Oh, you're going to get to hear the songs you grew up with live. But on a TV. It was at the Queen Elizabeth Stadium in London. A huge ass venue. It was where the Olympics took fucking place. You're not seeing shit. And that's no fun. And I completely understand that my viewpoint about what's worth paying is for my own. Many people would have thought those shows were worth it, particularly if you're not like um, a lot of us, where it's like you want to see as many bands as you can and this kind of thing, and you're looking forward to seeing this, and you go to more gigs. If it's a one-off gig, maybe, you know, that was totally a thing. I think that was its ultimate selling point. I, I believe the Guns N' Roses things wasn't for your hardcore fans. They, they, they made sure it wasn't by charging £100. If I went, um, Family went and my son went and all that kind of thing. You were talking about four or five hundred pounds before I've even stepped in the fucking venue. Unfortunately, I, I kind of see it as the whole similar to the sort of game DLC freemium costs and games thing. No one ever really has a positive thing to say. Nobody ever sort of goes, oh, yeah, no, I've got no, you know, it's cool. It's cool. Everyone sort of says, yeah, it's too much or it's this or that. But like those things, as long as they keep selling, they're going to keep charging these prices. Well, it's going to keep happening. Metallica didn't do badly. This is the standard now. Seeing Alice in Chains uh, charge that much, and I've looked already, and um, looks like majority... I don't know if the venues are sold out completely, but you, uh, on certain sites like Ticketmaster and all that, you can't get tickets anymore. Those sort of sites uh, sell their tickets quickly anyway, and take them and scalp them and put them on their secondary resale sites. Like I said, this is definitely something that could be a full length podcast in the future because then we can really get into the evils of the secondary ticket selling market i'm not doing that now i'm sure if you're listening and you heard me say secondary ticket selling market your goddamn grimace um already everyone's got an opinion on that and it's pretty much all the fucking same 
it's a disgrace that this even exists. And I'll give you the best example. I've looked, and right now, if you want to go to Alison Chains and want to buy them through Ticketmaster's sister site, I'm doing evil bunny ears for this fucking thing. £90 for a seated ticket, or 100 to £130 for a standing. Check that shit out. And that's on Ticketmaster's official secondary sister site. Bunch of fucking wankers. Last point to make. If bands feel like, oh, you know what, we're, 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 we, 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 we need to charge this price. We need, Alison Chains are like, we need to charge this price because we're not making, you know, we, 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 ticket prices have gone up and so on that kind of thing. How is it that Machine Head, who are playing the Roundhouse, which is a one of the best venues in London, going to be playing two and two to two and a half hours a set, have a new album out that, regardless whether you like it or not, has been goddamn successful. They've been a successful band for a long time. Their stock is at an all-time high. They sell out venues all around the world. How does that still only cost thirty plus pounds? I would expect to pay thirty to thirty-five pound for a roundhouse gig for most bands. Most bands, which is exactly what it is for Machine Head. So why haven't Alison Chains reflected the price for Shepherd's Bush Empire? How is it that I can go to the Shepherd's Bush Empire only a few months ago and see Creeper for I think it was eighteen pound? The same venue that Alison Chains are going to play, eighteen pound. Now that's not obviously reflective of the difference in stature. Of course, Alison Chains are huge compared to Creeper, but see what I'm saying: eighteen pound to forty-five. It's the same fucking venue. You're charging that much difference. Like I said, had it been Wembley, I would not even probably not even have batted an eyelid. Still wouldn't have thought it was worth it. But again, that's just my opinion. So tell me what you think. Do you think I'm just being a bitch? I think I'm bitching and moaning about, oh, you always moan about ticket prices, or you want to see us do a full podcast where we really get into the nitty gritty and get some more opinions, not just me ranting and raving about ticket prices, uh, or you think Guns N' Roses was great value for money, maybe you were there, think about that, right, let's say you did pay to see Guns N' Roses, and you paid, oh god, after drinks and food and getting in, you spent a couple of hundred pounds to watch a screen, maybe occasionally you saw the ant-like figure of Axel strutting his stuff and the likes and all that, but maybe they did a good show and you think it was totally cool and the atmosphere and being part of it made it worthwhile, because that's the thing, the atmosphere would have made it potentially worthwhile. How do you feel that they're now playing download and you're going to get that very probably the same sort of set, maybe not as big production, but you're going to get the same set, same set of music, same length of time potentially, and that day ticket, when they go on sale, is probably going to cost about £90, 90 to 100 maximum, I'd imagine. And you're going to get Guns N' Roses plus a lot more. You see what I mean? And that's download. And, you know, fair enough, it's not lo location is in London, but it's not difficult to get to. But let's move on. As I said, it's a ranty kind of thing for me. Something that always annoys me, and I could talk for fucking hours about it. But I'm losing my voice. This is terrible. Right, we're going to end then, end with one last track. It is from a Scottish metal medley band, a right mix of things. Originally a one-man project, A Cunning Man is now a two-man project and have released their new EP very, very recently, February 23rd. It's called A Healer Broken Body. Very excited about hearing this, really love the first EP. This one's another three-tracker and we're going to play you the excellent final track, now I'm going to struggle to say this because it's it's always a, it, it's a weird word. Abramelin, Abramelin. God, I hope I got that right. Abramelin and a silver hand. This is out now on Bandcamp. Make sure you go over there. It's cheap as fuck. Pick it up, and I hope you really really enjoy this because this is definitely 
the most different track of all the ones who played in this podcast. They're very unique individuals, the pair of them. But I think it's a fascinating listen. Uh, it's like the mix of metal with a real Scottish heritage feel. You really get that Scottish feel to it. I think that's fantastic. So thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Sorry it's probably not as smooth as before. Like I said, I'm beginning to lose my voice. But I hope you enjoyed what you've heard. Make sure you check us out. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe on SoundCloud. And obviously check us out across our social media. And of course, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash GBHBL. Thank you for everyone that supported us up to this point. We passed 400 likes on Facebook, which was fucking phenomenal. Thank you so much for that. Peace out. We'll see you next week in episode three. We'll have even more new music and more things to chat shit about. Lemme jet and pack your tracks. Abromelin. this
wanted replacement a failure? And yet, if this dread ordeal could be endured, then perhaps the rest can as well. <laughs>